Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. so so powerfully 37 water baptisms this morning I regularly ask God to uh, to do what he wants to do in the way he wants to do it and um, those of you that know me know that I I have some intention that I like to live by I like the plan I like the strategy but I also really love my Jesus. And I love the Holy Spirit that walks with us and helps us and um, leads us and shows us um, what he wants to do. And uh, for those of you that are wired like me, this, this moment may be a little different for you. You're like, wait, no, we're supposed to greet everybody right now. We're not supposed to go straight to the word. There's, somebody's gonna come up and, you know, where, where's my offering? I'm supposed to give my offering. and. I, just, just, just bear with me. I woke up this morning and uh, was up fairly early, and, and um, let's just say I had a different plan for today and what it was going to look like. And just in my time of worship and um, with the, with the Lord, I, I just felt impressed um, that today was going to look a little different. I knew we were going to have water baptisms, um, but I just felt God wanted to do something different and special. Um, so I don't really have notes for you today. Um, this is just some stuff that I feel like the Lord downloaded to me. So I'm hoping we can make um, the most sense out of it today. I want to tell you a story uh, from Scripture that I think is going to have an impact on our worship. I think it's going to have an impact um, on how we follow Jesus. And I'm going to do my best to put this together in real time for you. Um, I've got a few scriptures that we're going to put up on the screen, but I'm going to tell you one story from three perspectives. Y'all with me? Y'all good? Y'all locked in on, on this? Um, one, one story, three perspectives. You know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are really the story of Jesus um, from different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written, named after the author's um, and I have this picture sometimes when I think about the Gospels and I read some of the same stories in each one. Anybody have children in the room? Yeah. How many of your kids, you walked in on the middle of something and you were trying to get to understand like, what happened, what just happened in this place? And all three kids, we'll pick my biggest three, for example, all three kids were in the same place at the same time and just witnessed the same thing. But I'm getting different stories. I'm getting different perspectives. Nobody's lying. Everybody's telling me the truth, but from their vantage point, from their perspective, and I have to listen to all of them in order to get the total picture, right? If, if Matthew had enough to communicate, we would just have Matthew. We would go straight from Matthew to Acts, but we don't. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of these authors bring their own perspective, their own personality, their own purpose, their own audience um, to the gospel message um, we're going to start in John chapter 12. Again, one story, three different perspectives. And uh, this is the story of Mary where she anoints the feet of Jesus. And 
And uh, I want us to be thinking about our worship. I want us to be thinking about our posture. I want us to be thinking about what that looks like um, today. I was, was brought here this morning and I want to share with you and we'll see um, where it goes. John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8 um, says this. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was. You remember Lazarus was the man he raised from the dead. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Oh, there you go. Um, so they gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served. And Lazarus was one of, the, one of those reclining with him at the table. And Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? And you need to know a denarii was about the equivalent of a day's wage. So here's this. Think about how much money you make in a year. You go to work, you get a paycheck every day for a year. Imagine having that much money saved up in this moment. That's what Judas was saying. He's like, why was this ointment sold for 300 denarii, almost a year's wages, and given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Let's turn to Matthew. Same story, different perspective. This is Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to read verse 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a little more detail here. He's in the house of Simon the leper. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why is this waste? Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, that wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're here today learning this story, talking about the gospel, proclaiming what she did in this story. Different perspective, same story, different perspective. Let's go one more. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. Verse 1 through 9. It was now two days before the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, let there be, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Same stories, three different perspectives. And I think about this story and was just brought to it this morning, thinking about our worship. And I'm sure you may have heard this story before and talking about the, the worship that, that Mary has. And, and it's true. I mean, it, this is an incredible story. Um, you, may, you may not be familiar with alabaster or, or a fly. Alabaster is a stone. It's a, it's a softer stone uh, than some, but it's a stone nonetheless. And, and they would make, they would use this stone for, for vessels, for flasks. It would be like an anointment oil or a perfume. Just imagine an aroma type perfume. But they didn't have screw-on tops like we have today. Uh, so they would have to seal this ointment inside this container. And in order to access it, you couldn't just open it and get out a little bit and then put the top back on it. Now, Scripture tells us she had to break it. She used it all. I don't know how she obtained it. I don't know long, for how long she had it. But I know this from Scripture. It was worth a lot. And she had a moment in the presence of Jesus to worship and she chose to give the most expensive thing she had, all of it, at his feet. I mean, you know, that's worship. That's worship. And the story, if you think about it, is about Mary and Jesus. But there's two other people also in this story that Scripture tells us about. And I want to talk to you briefly about them and how I think they're posture in this story, their, their relationship to Jesus, how it came about. And I, I want you to be thinking about yourself as I was thinking about myself this morning um, when the Lord brought me to this. We just read Mark 14, 1 through 9. I want to read you the very next two verses. Okay, so the disciples are there. She breaks the flask. Like, hold on, this is expensive. This, we could have done a whole lot of ministry with this. Why are you wasting it in this moment? And they scolded her. And we learned about Judas and what he said about it and what Jesus said about it. No, 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 no. She, she's doing the right thing. She's, she's worshiping me. And from here on out, every time the gospel is preached, we're going to remember this story, this, this memorial of her worship. Look at the very next two verses. Verses 10 and 11. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Think about Judas for just a second. What was he really worried about in the moment? The money. How much it was wasted, how much extravagance was just wasted in that, in that moment. And that very thing, he had an opportunity to worship and he took a care or a concern and it got so deep in his heart, not where the worship went, but where that care and the concern went. And that was the last moment Judas had before he went and betrayed. So we hear about Judas in this story. Um, we also hear about another man, 
Simon the leper. I don't know if you know much about leprosy or that word was used kind of synonymously for a lot of skin diseases, but they didn't have the science. They didn't have the medicine. They didn't have the understanding that we had. And so individuals like that were were often discarded and, and left aside. You couldn't approach them. Matter of fact, in society, you had to approach other peoples by saying, I'm unclean. I've got this skin disease. I've got this thing on me, and I don't want it to get on you, so you need to stay away. And what's fascinating about this story is where was this story at? Where did it take place? What? Simon's house. But not just Simon. Simon who? Simon the leper. Now, we, can, we know enough about biblical uh, history to know this. Simon was probably one of the ones whom Jesus healed. You remember, Jesus healed a series of lepers throughout the gospel. And here's a guy who had a disease, who was outcast and disbanded, yet an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus healed him. And now he was at a place where he could do something about it. And what did he do? He opened up his home. And he invited Jesus in, and he invited others in. And it was as if he was saying, man, the least I could do for what you've done for me is to share with others and give you an opportunity. I mean, I think the story is about Mary, but how many of you know the story is also about Judas, and the story is also about Simon? Could you imagine being the kind of person that recognized, apart from Jesus, your life would look completely different? And then imagine what opportunities you would have going forward to just forget and go about your business. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not who I used to be. Simon wasn't that kind of guy. Simon was the kind of guy that was grateful and thankful. And he took what God did in his life and what God did in that moment. He said, you know what? I'm not going to let it end with me. I'm going to share it with other people. And it's only five words in this story, but, but we remember there was a man that Jesus touched And he was so grateful and he was thankful. And and though everybody referred to him, not Simon the leper, it was probably Simon who used to be the leper. They were at his house. And I'm thinking about the worship that took place in that moment. Have you know, it's worship when you open your home and invite Jesus to come in. And when you open your home and allow somebody else to come in as well. Mary's worship wouldn't take in place if Simon's worship hadn't opened his home to allow others to come in. And we have these stories, these pictures of worship in this encounter. And we also have Mary. And you may not realize this um, about Mary. But her life didn't just look like this. It wasn't just an uphill climb. She didn't just get better and better and better. Mary actually has a low spot in the Gospels. That, that hasn't happened to anybody here, I know. No, nobody here has ever followed Jesus, and life is amazing, and it's great. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and it's like, bam, it just knocks you off. And you still love God, but you're a little unsure. You never had a moment like that. We get this story at the back end. And Mary's painted as this person who knows Jesus at his full wealth and in his full glory and in his full majesty. And she gives this sacrificial worship to him. 
But I need you to understand, Mary's not worshiping just knowing that he's Jesus, the Messiah, but she's also worshiping knowing that she was up here one day, down here another day, and then back up here in her worship. I think you and I can worship like Mary. I want to show you this in scriptures. Very brief. You'll overlook it if you're not careful. I'm going to go back to John chapter 11, verse 20 and 27. Um, This is the first encounter you probably heard about Mary and Martha. This is when Je- this is right after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The sisters say Lazarus has died and Jesus delays, he waits, he doesn't come right away. I'm going to back up to verse 17. The, scripture will catch, the, verse, the screen will catch up at 20. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. But who hadn't come yet? Jesus. I'm grateful that all these people are around me telling me everything's going to be okay. But who I really need to hear from in this moment is who? but I don't hear him. And we're about to see the picture of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Both of them needed Jesus. Both of them knew who he was. Both of them knew he was able to do something about it. And we see two different responses here. Verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But what did Mary do? Mary remained seated in the house. That doesn't sound like the same Mary that broke the flask a couple chapters later, does it? That sounds like the Mary that's struggling with the season that she's in, knowing that if one person could have been here, if Jesus would have been here, my brother would not have been dead. And we're only two miles away from Jerusalem. How did everybody else get here before Jesus? He was the first person we told. I'm sure there's nobody in here that's ever really needed to hear from Jesus and it seems like he's a little late showing up. Now Martha said this to Jesus when she got to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would would not have died. But look at Martha's faith when she says next. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to know, I am the resurrection and the life. Don't think that it's dead if I'm here. I can bring dead things to life again. She knew him as Lord and Messiah, but she hadn't known him as the resurrection life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was Martha's response. You know, it's, it's okay to go through a hard time to experience death in your life. But we got to know that Jesus is Lord and the resurrection and the life. 
What about the other sister? The one that was struggling. The one, the one that was struggling. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. What did we see about Mary? You gotta, you gotta see it. It's in between the words. You gotta see this picture. Their brother is dead. Jesus hasn't shown up. It's been a couple of days. They hear he's coming. One sister, still shooken, runs to the Messiah. The other one stays. And what do we know about this conversation she just had with Martha? It was in private. What did she do to herself? She isolated. I know that's never happened to anybody in here. You've never been upset with God over something that you didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. And, and the last person you wanted to be around was a bunch of other Christians who just happened to have a happy-go-Jesus attitude for the day. That's never happened to anybody else in here at all. Called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Jesus shows up, and who does he want to know? Where's Mary? Where's Mary? Not where's Lazarus. He knows what he's going to do with Lazarus. He knows. And he knows what's going on with Martha. What he's concerned about is what's going on with Mary. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, you got to put this picture together. You got to understand what happened. Martha runs to Jesus. She's upset. And she says, what? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But nonetheless, you're here now. It's all going to be okay. Mary was upset too, but she was isolated and she was alone. And, and they had to go get her. And she comes to Jesus and she falls at his feet and she says the same thing. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have been dead. But what's missing from Mary's story, what was present in Martha was that lack of faith. She didn't say, but you're here now. It's as if all she had in that moment was to be at his feet and say, I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I know if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. God, I know if you had been with me, I wouldn't have experienced this thing, but you weren't here. It happened. And now look at me. I'm a mess. I think Jesus responds the way he responds, not because of Lazarus, but because he knew what he was doing in Mary's life impacted her in such a way that brought her to a place of lowness that she had never been before. And I think he loved her so much, he was broken too. And I need you to know we serve a God who knows you and knows every bit of brokenness. There's nothing in your life that God doesn't allow. 
But sometimes those things that God allows, some of you know, they can bring you down to a place, a depth where you've got nothing left. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Scripture records Mary's moments of faith. And Scripture also records her moments of doubt. But Scripture memorializes her moment of worship. You're going to have faith or you wouldn't be on this journey. But I got news for you. You're going to have moments of doubt. And yes, Jesus could have stopped that from happening. He could have fixed that, but he didn't. He's got a greater purpose. And what I want you to take away from this story is what Mary took away from this story. And it's what brought her all the way back to his feet later after the fact in Simon the leper's house. The last time you saw me, Jesus, I had faith, but I was troubled. Now I understand who you are, what you were doing, the bigger picture at place, and now I can bring you not just my faith and not just my fears and not just my doubt. God, because of what you've done in my life, now I can bring you my worship. Now I can bring you my worship. So she takes the most expensive thing she has. And she says, if I got to break it to get it open, you're getting it all. I don't know how much of Mary's life she had reserved from her Lord and Savior up to that point. You can have faith that he is God and still reserve part of yourself. But something happens in a moment of tragedy that kind of strips you from everything you thought you were holding on to. And now she realizes, the only thing I have left is all that I have. And he's worth it. And he's worth it. I'm going to summarize these three characters for you. And I want you to be thinking about yourself. I want you to be thinking about your own worship. What do we know about Judas in this story? Judas is the thief. Judas is the thief. Do we have that? We can put that up there. Yeah, he's the thief and the betrayer. In this moment of worship, what was on Judas's mind? What's in it for me? be very easy to come to a place like this on a Sunday morning because that's just what we do. And you can see some of other people here with their hands raised and and shouting and screaming and crying and thinking, God, what's wrong with them? I'm just here to get my Jesus for an hour and a half and then I'm going to go about my life. 
listen to me. If you come to worship, but don't worship fully, if you come to worship and reserve something for yourself, worry about yourself more than you worry about him, I'm going to tell you what happens. You're going to betray him. You can't be in the presence of Jesus and not give of yourself. How does Judas become Judas? He asks this question, what's in it for me? Now, I know this is our Savior's church, and we don't have any Judases in here, so we'll skip right over him. Because we all come and we give our all. But there's another character we talked about. You remember him? Simon the who? Simon the artist, formerly known as the leper. Simon the leper. Was he worshiping Jesus too? Yeah. But I want, I want to, I'm going to pick this up right here, and I'm, I want to take a little bit of a liberty here, but I want you to follow me. It's as if Simon the leper were saying, of all that you did for me, least I could do is open my home. Least I, and I commend that. I think it's great. But I also think the story tells us that Simon had more that he could give. I'm grateful and thankful for every person that recognizes God did something in my life and I'm going to help him. We have moments to worship. And sometimes the difference between the person raising their hands and the person sitting here with their hands in their pockets is saying, well, at least I showed up today. It's the least I could do. How about when the offering is passed and you see somebody place in the offering something that cost them something, that sacrifice to them, that worship to them, and then somebody else is flipping through seeing what bills they have in their wallet and what kind of place they want to go eat to afterwards and and they tip God in the offering I mean it's the least I could do oh that's worship I'm glad you're giving but only you know if that's giving or worship I want to tell don't be like Judas don't come in here be around all of this and withhold something for yourself you're going to betray him but don't be like Simon with this. This is the least I could do. He's grateful. He's thankful. And, I, and that's a step above. But this is the least I could do. Don't come in here and worship our Jesus with the least that you could do. I want you to be like Mary. And what do we know about Mary? Mary responds to past pain with present worship, it's the most I can do. I have faith, I have pain, and God uses both, and it looks like worship when it comes out of my mouth. good thing I know about Jesus 
is he loves you just the way you are. He just doesn't desire you to stay that way. Doesn't desire you to stay that way. And I don't know if you're here and you came here today and you say, honestly, Pastor Don, nobody's looking around, but I, I just, I want to be honest with you. I probably came in here looking a lot more like Judas than I did anybody else. I came in here worried about myself and what I've got going on and I didn't really come to worship Jesus. Or maybe you say, I came in here today and I was, if I'm honest, probably a little more like Simon. I know what God's done in my life and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for it, but I haven't given him everything yet. And the good news for every Judas and every Simon in the room today is we are not done yet. So I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to be thinking about your worship and what you have to offer, what you have to bring. If you're here today, say, Pastor Don, I have no idea what's different about me, but I'm seeing things clearly. I'm feeling something different today. It started in worship. I, I saw all these people make this public decision of something that they had decided inwardly. And I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior today. But I want to. I want to know that I know that no matter what happens in this life, He is the resurrection and the life. And I want to spend eternity with Him today. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I want to know who I'm praying with today. If that's you today and you'd say, Pastor Don, I'd love you to pray with me to be born again today. I want to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at. Nobody looking around. If you raise your hand to be born again, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Keep your hand up and I want you to look at me so I can acknowledge you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Right there in the middle. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Up in the balcony, I see your hand. Both of you, side by side, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. I see you. One more time before I pray. I didn't raise my hand before, Pastor Don, but I want to be included. Thank you. I see your hand, and I see yours too. I see it. Church, I want to lead us in a prayer. We're not done yet. This isn't going to be the last thing we do, but I, I can't go further from here in our worship if there are those who don't know Jesus yet. So those of you that raise your hand to be born again, it's not the prayer that saves you. God's faith, the Holy Spirit moving in your life brought you to a place where you could even raise your hand in the first place. He's done that work in you. 
I want you to say this prayer with me. Everybody say this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's celebrate.